lesson three in the first trimester that's entitled Building the Vision with Sons and Daughters. Building the Vision with Sons and Daughters. And every lesson we do on Wednesday night really builds on the previous one. If you were not able to hear those lessons, you again can go to iTunes and hear them via audio, and I think we even have now uh, the video up. I think you have to, may have to subscribe to iTunes, but that's free, and um, you can get actual video <laughs> if you want to see me on the web. There you go. Um, 1 Corinthians 4.15. I do want to read just a couple passages of Scripture before we get started that sort of set the tone for what I want to share with you tonight. 1 Corinthians 4.15. This is what Paul writes. Well, actually, if we jumped up to verse 14, we could start there. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. So let's just, this is, this is hermeneutics 101. All right. This is scripture interpretation. How does Paul view the Corinthians? He views them as children. He calls them. Now that doesn't mean that they're, you know, that they're being childish. There's a difference between ch- being childish and being childlike. We all know that, right? Jesus told us to be childlike, but he certainly didn't tell us to be childish. Well, when he speaks to them as children, it's because there's a relationship that has developed uh, because he's begotten uh, this church and these folks in the Gospels. And then he elaborates on that in verse 15. He says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors or 10,000 teachers in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, what does he say? Imitate me. Wow. That's, that, that, that had to have been a, a fairly awesome statement. And would you not think that would put quite a burden of responsibility upon Paul? But he says there, he says, uh, you can have all sorts of teachers. And that's really where we are in the church. I mean, you can go to churches all over America, all over our region. You can go to the Internet. You can get your CDs. You can can get all sorts of wonderful teaching and instruction. Um, We do not lack on instruction. Um, What we lack in, though, is uh, mentoring. And, And that's really what discipleship... Discipleship is not the download of information. I mean, that's involved in it, but, but really discipleship is an impartation that comes from someone's life. The gospel was meant to be imparted through people's lives. Now, that's how God set it up. And um, he worked with 12, and they had their issues, but they ended up being the foundation through which he was going to change the world. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the concept of mom and dad as well as sons and daughters. But in 1 Timothy 1, verse 2... And I'm going to move through this fairly swiftly. Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says to Timothy, he says, a true son in the faith, which is really interesting. I I like how he puts true son. I always wondered if there could be a false son or one that that said they were perhaps and then really were not. I don't know. It's interesting. A true son, he said, in the faith. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18 We read this. He says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, but that by them you may wage the good warfare. And then lastly, and I'm reading them because I just believe there's power in reading God's word, but I believe you're getting the overall 
point that I'm trying to make. 2 Timothy 1, verse 2. One more time, Paul writes in the second letter, he says, To Timothy, a beloved son. A beloved son. And so our lesson tonight, we're talking about building the vision with sons and daughters. Now, truth of the matter is most churches are organized as a corporation rather than a family. And, and let me be the first one to say that I am well aware of the fact that there has to be certain uh, legal and operational, structural things that have to be put in place in order that you can uh, be uh, validated as a legitimate 501c3 uh, iliomacenary corporation in order that you can give people credit for their donations that come into the church. I, I understand that. I understand that in order to be that, you, there are certain rules that you are asked to follow. And I believe Romans 13 is applied in as much as none of the rules, at least at this point, have, have grossly violated Scripture. And so we can adhere to those things. And so there is an organizational feature to the church. I understand that. I understand that you have to provide some structure and organization. But, but Jesus, I, I want you to know, he didn't die for an organization. He didn't come to set up just a corporation. I mean, Jesus didn't, didn't come to the cross and give his life and all the things that we know that he did in order that we could go get our 501c3 from the IRS. He did this because he wanted to redeem people, and he was, he was really begetting sons and daughters in God. And, and his idea was a family. In fact, the whole thing was a family operation. You understand it was a father-son operation. Through the years, now this isn't like this anymore, and I, and I appreciate that because most of you, in fact, probably all of you have this revelation, but I, I used to have people that would give me a hard time about my sons participating in the ministry with me. And I know that's hard to believe, and I'm looking at you and you're going, really? Yeah, really? And I used to look at him and say, well, it works for God. I figured if, it, if it's a father-son operation with the Lord, I, mean, I guess that's about as good a, a model as you could do. So, so anyway, it was, it was meant to be a, a family. The church was to be built on relationship. There, there, are, there are scores of passages that talk about one another and, and our relationship to one another. And it talks about how we're to love the brethren. And the word is agape there, which, which talks about creating value. And it, and it has really the deepest of meanings when it comes to our relationship. And I believe that, that longevity and impact and influence happens when we can build the vision with those that, who are sons and daughters. Now, in order to have sons and daughters, that means we need more spiritual dads and moms. Now, again, I'm not just talking biologically here. Now, if you have children, you should be a spiritual mom or a dad. I mean, that's a part of our call as biological parents is that not only do we raise them up and do all the things that we're to do with them as unto the Lord, but spiritually we're to impart some things to them. But let's just take this another step. Paul was not Timothy's biological dad, but Timothy was his son in the faith. I'm just going to say this, that that for some of you, you'll be able to identify with this statement, and and for others of you, you might not because you had a a better... uh, uh, maybe spiritual home life. But truth of the matter is that th- there are people who are not my biological parents that I feel more knit to and closer to and maybe even loyal to because of the spiritual impact they had in my life than even my biological parents. Now, that's not to say I don't honor them and, and I'm not there for them and wouldn't do all the things that are appropriate, but, but I'm, just, 
I, I, I can I can tell you several names of people through the years that they literally were a spiritual dad or a spiritual mom in my life. Now, I realize that because of the existence of the church for you know literally centuries and it reflected a Catholic concept, I understand that we call Catholic priests in our current era father, father so-and-so, who's your pastor, father so-and-so. Now, for those of you that have Catholic backgrounds, to even hear the word father, it can just cause you to go, ick, ick. Now, that doesn't mean they were bad necessarily, but there was just a corruption or it was convoluted in how it was presented and how it interacted with you. And, and while we don't want that, at the same time, the Scripture leaves us with the understanding that, that we do have spiritual mom and dads. And I'm telling you, we live in a spiritually parentless era. I, I mean, we almost live in a biologically parentless era. I mean, we aren't even having parents raising their kids who they biologically brought into the world. I, I mean, that, that's hard enough. It's just getting a parent to quit being their best friend and be a parent. Now, if, if that's tough, can you imagine spiritually how, how challenging that would be? So to build a solid house, now again, this is school of ministry, and we're dealing with those that are potential leaders as well. We just have come to the conclusion that we build the vision with sons and daughters. Now, not everyone will embrace this concept, and I understand that, and we love everybody. But in, in, in order to mentor and have people who are an extension of the ministry, they need to catch the DNA as a son or a daughter. A son or a daughter is one who recognizes they need spiritual guidance, direction, and authority in their life. A spiritual mom or dad has the experiences and the desire to help their sons and daughters succeed and move farther in their life than even they have gone as parents. It really is true. One of the delights of our life, and, and we talk about this, is that, is that we, we can envision for our children greater things than we will ever do. I hope that's how you feel about your biological kids. But you know what? We feel that way even about the spiritual kids. That, that we look at people here and, and we can envision you doing more, going farther, doing greater things. And we would want that for your life. And so uh, that's a part of the right heart that everyone needs to have as this begins to develop. Now, the best way that I knew to go about this, and we'll have to run through this quickly, and that is I just started giving some characteristics of sons and daughters, and I just used the, the uh, uh, acrostic or abbreviation. Thank you. I'm going to need you tonight just because to, my brain is like kind of having seizure or something going on. So sons and daughters, SD. Sons and daughters is the SD. A traditional church attender, I just put TCA. Now, I want you to hear me, I, and you know my sense of humor. Everybody here knows my sense of humor. I mean, I can, I can I, you know, I can rub you wrong. But no, but no I'm just, I'm, it's a joke, okay? I'm, just, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to help you understand and see something. So if I take it, you know, to a place that, you know, it's, it's rubbing you wrong, then probably I'm getting in where the Holy Ghost needs to be. And, all right? So I'm just, but I'm going to help, help change some concepts, that we've all developed and, and that I believe God's wanting to tweak. No one obviously becomes a spiritual dad or mom overnight. I mean, it just doesn't happen overnight. You can't be born again on day one, and then on day two, you, you, you can input 
the world. It just doesn't work that way. Moms and dads have experiences and some time under their belt. Neither does one become a son or daughter instantly either, especially when we're talking in the spiritual sense because there are things like trust that have to develop. And I've had people come come to me really through the years, and it's been an interesting, it's been a great conversation, but I wish I had a Kodak camera when when we had this conversation because I'll have people come to me at times, and they'll go, in some form or fashion, they'll say, Pastor, you know, I just don't know if I trust you. I said, that's okay, because I don't know that I trust you. Because truth is, just as you feel like you could be abused or taken advantage of by me, I guarantee you I have stories that I've been taken advantage of or abused. See, this is a two-way street. See, see, kids have abused parents and parents have abused kids. Can we all just agree to that? Let's just agree to the fact that there are bad pastors in the world. Can we just all agree? I know you'd say amen to that. Come on. I'm, come on, those, those old pastors that are just hard and they're just, oh, man, can you believe what they do? Well, amen. They're, they're terrible out there. Only one I know of that's any good. <laughs> I knew Miss Louise would say it. All right, so we all agree to that. But can we also just agree that there have been a few congregations have done a few servants of the Lord wrong too? See, this is a two-way street, all right? It's a two-way street. So let's keep that in mind. Everybody, let's just believe for a moment, everybody is doing their best, all right? And with a good heart, doing their best. And, and, and let's just walk through this a little bit. People connect with a church for all different reasons and at all different levels of commitment. They should be allowed, listen now, they should be allowed to come here to Legacy and journey freely and, and consider their levels of commitment as they go forward. I understand people aren't going to walk in the, the door of church on Sunday, day one, and say, I'm going to see you as my spiritual dad. That ain't going to happen. Right? That takes time. And, and you know what? People come in, and they come in with hurts and wounds and experiences and, you know, all sorts of things. And, and they come in, and they're just, on day one, they're trying to check things out. And they're trying to get a sense of what's going on. The reason I'm saying that is because we were so zealous in the vision when this first started. We were on people like white on rice. I mean, we were, you need to be into encounter. You need to, you need to, you need to. And, and people, I could see, they were on overload. And, and so we've had to, I've had to just kind of say, hey, let's, let's let people journey a little bit here. You know, I want them to get free too. But if they aren't ready to get free, then you ain't going to force freedom on them. All right, now, now they'll get there. So we've got to let them journey. And, and they'll warm up and they'll see and they'll experience. And as they begin to experience and see and visit and talk, you know, they will warm up. And as they warm up, there'll be opportunities then for revelation and input to go in their life. Now, we're not critical of those who are evaluating legacy and their attachment to it. Our hope is that they will feel drawn by the Holy Spirit to covenant with us and join us in the vision God has called us to. Obviously, I feel like we do things right. If I didn't think we did things right, why would I pastor it? I mean, why would I? oh, I'm going to implement something that's absolutely wrong. Yeah, I know. We all go, You're, you'd be crazy. Well, of course. So obviously, since I pastor it, I think we do things right and well. That's just obvious, all right? But we understand that, that people, again, have their experiences. They're evaluating. They're getting to know us. So let them journey a little bit, all right? Let them let them uh, uh, experience, and as they experience us, well, they'll find out we're pretty normal, and, uh, and I believe they'll like us. Now, having said that, 
You can only build a work with those who have committed to the vision as a son or daughter of the house. See, see, for a pastor, and this is what I share with people all the time, I, I want you here, I want you to worship here, I want you to come here and, and fellowship, and you can even serve in ways. And I'm, I'm really great with a lot of those things, but there comes a moment in a pastor's mind that he, if he's going to build something, he's got to figure out who he's going to build with. And you don't want to build with somebody who's here today, gone tomorrow. You don't want to hand a ministry to somebody who's charged up about it this week, but next week they get discouraged, and then they wonder if God even called them here. Are you following me? And so there has to be some way for a pastor to begin to have a process to figure out who, who he's going to release things to. And, and as one, uh, uh, so to speak, moves through and, and, and proves themselves trustworthy and spends time and we, we build relationship and trust is developed, greater and greater and greater things can be released with greater confidence. And I can tell you right now that, that you've heard this old saying, that uh, blood is thicker than... See, I'm quoting a lot of old sayings. I ought to be quoting more scripture. But now, now why is that? It's because, you know, I, whether it's with Clay or Tyler or Kalen or even Trace, I mean, we may fuss at each other and, and, and rub each other wrong, but how many of you know? I mean, I mean there's, there's, there's a connection there that is just solid. Now, I'm not marrying y'all, so I don't want anybody here to get out like I'm going to marry everybody. I'm not, not, but but there's, there should be a, a relationship that be, can begin to develop. That you know, truth of the matter is, if you sit on the front row, by the way, Andrea and Bill, that's, it's, this is the pick-on row. If you're on the front row, I'm just, this is you automatically get picked on. But truth of the matter is, is I, I can look at Bill here, and, and, and I've got to know somewhere along this journey, and Andrea and Bill have been with me for years, so so... I can have a greater confidence because we've, we've journeyed together for years. We've interacted. I know you guys. And truth of the matter is, although we've never had one of those moments, but I, I'll believe it to be true, that even if we bumped or we rubbed each other wrong, now you've never rubbed me wrong. Chances are I may have rubbed you wrong because I just know how that works. But, tr- but you're still here. And you've had opportunities probably to say I, you didn't have to be here. This is a totally voluntary thing. But... Bill and Andrea say, no, we're here. And, and, and so because of that, some, maybe some things can be released then. Or, or, so you're following me. You, you, so that's what you build with. Now, we love everybody, but you've got to find sons and daughters to build with. All right? Now, let me just give you here, um, and, and bear with me. I'm going to have to uh, go back to my notes because I wasn't as prepared as I needed to be here. Let me pull out some notes because I'm not as anointed unless the notes show up. So, all right. Um, I'm going to go through this list of, of sons and daughters and traditional church attendees. And I'm going to just do some compare and contrast. And I think you can begin to understand what needs to catch inside of a person that's a son or a daughter. And by the way, if, if leadership comes your way, then you're going to have to make the determination that, that pastors Kevin and Tracy Baird are the mom and dad of the house. I mean, it's just we're just spirit, mom and dad. That's how we view things. And so hopefully that can begin to develop inside of you. Number one, a son, or a, a son and a daughter builds the local church. But a traditional church attender has great expectations and demands from the house. What does that mean? It means some people see things that need done and are lacking, and this is what they say. They say, you know, someone needs to do that. 
You notice there's something over here that's dirty. Did you see that? There's, someone needs to pick up that paper on the floor. That's a traditional church member. It's a consumer, is it not? I came in here and it just wasn't right. It wasn't this, it wasn't that. I saw this needed to be done. Someone needs to do that. But, but a, a son or a daughter sees something lacking and says, what can I do to help meet the need? See, that's the difference between the two. See, I don't, need, I don't need leaders around me that look at me and say that you can identify what's wrong. Believe me, I get that. Probably seen it before you did. But the, but the key is what, they say, what can I do to begin to help that? They have an expectation upon themselves to be a part of strengthening the church and looking for ways to meet needs. A, a church attender doesn't mind the church growing as long as it doesn't involve their sacrifice, their time, or their finance, just keep my needs getting met. That's why I come here. But a son or a daughter puts themselves in the life of what is happening. In other words, a church attender goes, that's my seat. Nobody better be in my seat. A son or a daughter will say, you don't have enough seats? Take my seat. Are you following me? All right? Number two, I have to move. A son or a daughter is in covenant with the pastor a traditional church attender can be a drifter and connect superficially. What that means is, is that a son or a daughter, what I like about covenant, all of you that have been married, you know this to be true. The pastor will stand there and he looks at you both and he usually makes this declaration or makes you repeat it. For better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, cleaving only unto you, for as long as we both shall live, and thereto I pledge you my faith. All right, that, that's a covenant statement. That's, that's a son and a daughter. I mean, I mean, no matter how dysfunctional your parents can be at times. Now, granted, there, there, there's a place that you have to eject from a toxic situation. I don't disagree with that. But, but by and large, just because there's a challenging moment, it doesn't mean you suddenly feel led to leave. It means, you know what? I'm here. Good days, bad days, growth days, challenging days. Uh, A son or a daughter understands uh, how mom and dad set the direction in the house. A church attender always thinks that the church is like a democratic organization. They they think that we're like Washington, D.C. Didn't we get to vote on that? No. You vote every, every Sunday. You come in. That's your vote. If you come... You voted yay. If you didn't come, it's a nay. Okay? I'm just, all right, I'm picking, all right? Again, there are moments, and I understand for legal, there are legal things and there are boards of, of trustees and directors, and you have to do certain things in order to adhere to certain laws in order to do certain things. I got it. But we have to understand that, that just like in your house, if you're a mom and dad, you pretty much set the direction. You don't look at your kids and you... Well, I'm not saying some probably do look at their kids and do this. But there are days you say, this is the way the house is going. Okay? Uh, Number three, a son and daughter desires to see the success of the vision as the pastor leads it. Traditional church attender desires a position and sees the pastor as a facilitator or an enabler of their agenda. See, church attenders want to know what's in it for them. They seek position to facilitate what is their desire or agenda or ministry might be. They don't see needs and try to meet them. Now, I understand everybody may be called of God and and have a ministry aspiration, but the first thing we've got to do is we've got to see the need and meet the needs. Um, A son and daughter realizes that they need to serve 
and that their gifts, the Bible says, will eventually make room for themselves. They know that they have a destiny on their life, and it will be fulfilled as the vision of the house goes forward. And they have a confidence as a son or a daughter that their inheritance will be released to them without having to strive or posture for position. Isn't that true? I mean, I mean, I am not planning right now to release what, what little inheritance we might have to the kids down the street in my neighborhood. I mean, Clayton, Tyler, and Caitlin pretty much know that whatever's left of mom and dad's going to come to them. And they have a confidence in that. I mean, they aren't striving. Caitlin's not trying to be number one. And, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not striving because there's a confidence in that. And so uh, a son or daughter needs to have that. Number four. A son or daughter is family-oriented. A traditional church attender is organizationally oriented. When the ship changes or moves or has to go a different direction, a son or a daughter says, that's great. Mom and dad head in this direction. That's the way we're going to go. No murmuring, no complaining. They want to go with the flow of the house. But a traditional church attender resists change. They resist authority. Whenever change occurs, it's massively hard for them and usually gives place to the sowing of discord. A son and a daughter understands that at times a mom or a dad, just like our natural ones, either cannot share all the information due to sensitivity and that they recognize that mom and dad may be graced to carry things that only they can carry. And now, <clears throat> hopefully you, you function under this, but if you were a mom and dad, I'd be willing, if I were a betting man, to bet that you didn't tell your children everything that was going on in the house. In other words, if they were fixing to, to seize your bank accounts, foreclose on your house, if you're about to ready to lose your job, you didn't call your five- or six-year-old into the room, hopefully you didn't do this, and say, hey, we're about to be homeless. Get ready. I don't know what we're going to eat next week. Are you following me? Why didn't you do that? Because there was something in you that said they don't have to carry this. A lot of times, and I'm not saying that a church can't be fully transparent and public, but I'm telling you, you're not graced, and I don't say this in any condescending way, but, but people are not graced in the same measure a pastor is graced to carry some things. I've seen this through the years, that there, there are moments even of challenge, and, 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 and people will get fearful, they'll get anxious, full of anxiety, and, and, they, and they can't carry certain, certain things. And... Uh, I know that a traditional church attender thinks that if they don't hear all the information, then there must be something going on. It's a secret. There can be no secrets. Well, that, you know, I'll tell you anything you want to know, and when it kills you, don't blame me. I really, I'll tell you anything you want to know. And, 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 I'll, and, and, you know, I've done this to people. I've buried them. And then they go, you know what, that's great. I really, I, I don't know that I want to know <laughs> as much as you let me know here. So... Anyway, but, but, but that's a part of what it un, is, is understanding what a son or a daughter is. What am I? Number five, a son or a daughter, four, a son or daughter is family-oriented. Uh, uh, okay, five, sorry. A son or daughter uses the language of the family. It's our church. We're going forward. This is about us. Legacy, it's, it's my church. A traditional church attender uses the language of self. It's me, my, mine, or, or sometimes theirs. It's what they do. What, well, that, that's, that, that needs to shift. A son and a daughter has a stake in the family. That's why only a son or a daughter can be put in key positions. 
because they can think and see beyond themselves and have a heart for the larger family. Traditional church attender thinks in terms of what it is about concerning them. It's not about the ministry or the vision. It's about their ministry. It's not about serving. It's about my gift. A traditional church attender could care less about other ministry areas or outreach. I don't give a rip. I don't care if they can't, they can't you know, facilitate the nursery. I don't care if they can't get little fisher teachers. I don't care if, if Noah can't get you know, chaperones. I don't care. I don't care as long as it's my, but my area, but my thing. And, and oftentimes, in fact, I've heard pastors even teach on this, that we live in the day of the free agent. Got people going around going, well, I'm just going to land where I can be used. Well, that's great. I mean, that's fine. But, 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 but it's not about you being used. It's about you linking so that together all of us can achieve something greater in the kingdom of God. Number six. A son or a daughter will righteously guard and cover the family in love. A traditional church attender exposes all the failures and shortcomings of the pastor and the church family. You know, there's a, there's a fine line, I think, between covering and cover up. I don't think God calls us to cover up. I, I think there's a cover up of sin that is unrighteous and it needs to come to the light and it needs to be exposed. And, 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 and that's scriptural. But the scripture also says that love covers a multitude of sins. Now, again, you know, there, there are toxic situations and there are lines and there are things that are egregiously out of, out of bounds. But, but a son or a daughter has a heart towards Trace and I. In other words, how do I want to say this? If you could quiz my children, they could tell you things. If you could only hear what they know. Because believe it or not, we're quite human. We had a fight, said some things to each other that weren't nice. And you know what? If some people find that out, that's why we have, we have decided we're going to be transparent. And before anybody can tell you anything nasty about us, we're just going to tell you first. Because <laughs> we're just going to let it out there first. That's why we live this way. That way someone can't come up to you and say, do you know what? Do you, do you know what Pastor and Tracy got in a fight the other day? I just don't know that I can be around someone and have them input me because they got in a fight. How can they input my life if they're fighting? <laughs> well, you, you know, we have experience. We know how to win. <laughs> I'm just... But, you know, so, but, but there are some... Because I know, I know pastors and pastors' households, they live in glass bowls and, 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 and glass houses, and people can see everything, and, and people love to talk. I mean, I mean the joke is, is you know, after, after Sunday service going to lunch, having roast preacher. I mean, that happens all over America. You know, the average tenure of a pastor in America today is 18 months. That's the average tenure of a pastor is 18 months. Have you ever thought about why that is? You think there's just that many lousy pastors? No, I'm just telling you, there's a dysfunction that exists within the church that all of a sudden we, we hear or see something we aren't we don't like, we, we just, it just rubs us wrong, and, and we think, well, it's rubbed me wrong, so obviously God wouldn't rub me wrong, so it must not be God's will for him to be here, and I'm going to vote him out. See? And, and that's not how churches go forward that do great things for the kingdom of God. Now, I mentioned to you in one of our first lessons, I was always waiting for somebody to come teach these lessons, so I wouldn't have to do it. I always wanted someone to say these things, so I could sit there right where my wife is and just go, get him. Oh, that's good. That's good. But they never showed up. 
And so I just decided, well, if no one else is going to say it, I'll say it. And it may not help you here, but it will help you at your next church. Okay? <laughs> On John's Island. There you go. Number seven, I believe I'm at. A son or a daughter honors authority in the chain of command. Traditional church attender questions authority over everything and constantly seeks to circumvent authority. Um, you know, the story of Absalom, for those of you that have never read it, and we'll get to Absalom in the second trimester, but it's a tragic story because Absalom, who was a biological son of David, ends up because he, he saw a, a, a uh, defect in his father because his father didn't handle the issue with Amnon and, and, and Tamar correctly. Absalom saw this defect, and he got a root of bitterness, and he was defiled. And then all of a sudden, he becomes the one who begins to sow doubt everywhere concerning his father's ability to exercise wisdom over the kingdom. And, and there's no doubt David had done some really despicable things. I'm not letting David off the hook. We were visiting the other night about David. And, and, and you know, people oftentimes use the phrase that David was a man after God's heart. How many of you have heard that? David was a man after God's heart. Can I tell you this? When he was looking at Bathsheba, he was not after God's heart at that moment. So don't think he was a man after God's heart all the way through his life. When he's having sex with Bathsheba and then he kills Uriah, he's not a man after God's heart. Now, he was in the early days, but somewhere that got convoluted. And there's a lot of people that like to twist that scripture and, and they like to say, well, don't, hey, you know, just because I have character defects, I still have a heart after God. L listen to me. If you have a heart after God, you'll obey God. Amen. Well, anyway, that was, that was talking about David. Anyway. But the truth of the matter is Absalom didn't have the ability to see God work in it and move in it. And, and he stepped out of order despite despicable authority. And again, we'll talk about these things, what happens when you run into rotten authority. And, and Absalom stepped out of it. And, and when he stepped out of it, it ended up getting himself killed. And, and you've got to understand that a son or a daughter will honor authority in the chain of command. Do you understand that when they threw Daniel in, in the lion's den because it was a manipulative situation. He wouldn't pray as it was ordered to pray before the idol. And he gets thrown into the lion's den. <clears throat> and when the king comes to see him the next day, it's the most remarkable passage. We read the Bible and we miss these remarkable moments. When the king looks over into the lion's den, the first thing out of Daniel's mouth are these words, long live the king. Now think about this for just a second. If you just got thrown in a lion's den by a king because someone manipulated him and you were thrown in there unrighteously and unjustly and the king looks over and he sees that God has vindicated you and the angel kept the lion's mouth shut and you see the king, would the first words out of your mouth be, long live the king? No, it would be, God's going to get you now. His angel coming after you. Well, no, that's not what Daniel did. Because he honored. He understood honor. And that's what a son and a daughter can do. Number eight, son or a daughter bonds new people to the vision in the pastor's heart. Traditional church attender will just bond them to themselves. Listen, we, people are coming to the vision, and they need to link up with others. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but again, we're, we're, we're bonding people to the greater work, and, and the vision is it's being articulated out of pastor's heart. Number nine, a son and daughter focuses on the vision of the pastor and helps the people receive it and apply it. 
A traditional church attender maintains a traditional church concept of skepticism, which defiles other people. This is, this is I'm going to just tell you up front what we expect leaders to do. When, when leaders begin to move amongst the congregation, and the congregation, it's just people are people, and we understand that. And everybody gets a little space because everybody has a bad day. It's a bad hair day. You had a tough day at work. And, and, and everybody has a bad day, and they're a little out of sorts, and something didn't go quite right, and they're not happy, and they see something at church that ups, it upsets them. And so we understand everybody gets a little space in order to kind of ventilate on occasion. But have you ever met people who aren't just ventilating on occasion? I mean, they're just, they're just perpetual, I, I, I call them winos, because that's all they do. They're just whining all the time. They aren't drinking. They're just winos. And this is what leaders do. And, and this is what happens through the years. You don't need a leader who will look at someone and go, oh, oh, I know, I know. Pastor can be that way. I know. I know. I, I wish it was different too, but, you know, there, there, there. It'll, it'll, it'll be okay. If, if, if they don't love you, I will always love you. I don't need that. You know what you need to do? Sometimes you need to look at people that are chronic and just say, come on, man, buck up. Come on, he loves God. He really loves you. You probably need, you, you, God's probably talking to you in this and you're not hearing him. Pastor isn't sitting up late at night to figure out ways to make your life miserable. Come on, you can do this. You can, you, and, and, and that's what you need in leadership and that's what a son and a daughter does. It helps, helps people receive the vision and apply it. You don't need help defiling. I mean, there's plenty of defilement out there. And, and, and so that's a part of being a son or a daughter. Number 10, a son and a daughter is transparent and will freely share their feelings. Uh, a traditional church attender will only tell you what they think you want to hear and what makes them look best. <clears throat> you know what? If I'm going to help my, my biological sons and my daughter, I got to know what's going on in their life. And, and, and if you haven't reached the place where you can begin to share what's going on in your life. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes things happen that have to be corrected. And without correction, there's no change or there's no future. And, and I know it's hard. It is hard for my children, and they have done it through the years like yours have too. They'll try to dodge me, and they'll try to paint another scenario or not tell me the whole truth or give me a piece of it. And I tell you, it's, they know now it is worse not to cough it up. Do you understand? Lying is bad. That's bad news. God says a lot about lying. <clears throat> but the truth of the matter is, is that if, if we can get it in the open and get it in the light, even make the corrections that need to be made, we can get you back on the path to get you to your destiny. Because you see, my heart isn't to keep them in a pit. My heart is to get them to their destiny. And, 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 and to get them to their destiny so they can stand in it and, and flourish in it and prevail in it. And you don't get there by just being handed everything you want and being told everything you want to hear. If you think you're going to be a nation shaker with somebody that's blowing smoke up your skirt constantly, that ain't going to happen. That was an anointing right there. It's going to happen when we're refined and we're purged. I realize these concepts aren't popular. People aren't, thousands don't run to this, but thousands won't shake the nations. One. You just, one can. One really can. One really can. Then number 11, a son or a daughter is secure in their 
mentoring relationship and can handle these corrections, disciplines, and changes. I'm not saying it's not fun. But But a traditional church attender will shift the blame, avoid responsibility. It's never them. Okay. It may not be, but... But you need to be able to respond to correction. All right. Number 12, a son or a daughter knows they have potential and realizes that they need to be taught and they need to be raised up in the house. A traditional church attender is already full grown in their own eyes and they feel no need for further instruction. And so we've had this through the years. I've had people look at me and, 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 and again, know my sense of humor. All right. Smile. Pastor loves you. I, I, I love people. But I've had people come to me, and they've looked at me. I'm just going through this, and they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know you're doing encounter, but I don't need to go through encounter. Really? Wow. Why, why do you think you don't need to go through encounter? Oh, well, I, I, I've, uh, I've already, you know, I've been through some inner healing stuff, and I've been down the road, and I've, I've, I've done some classes down there, and I, 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 I don't need to go through your encounter. And then this is what I'll do. I'll say this. Um. Well, well, how do I know that they got every devil that was in you? Like, are you transferring credits? Are you transferring in with credits? Oh, I don't have to go. I don't have to go to journey. I don't have to do discovery. I've been, I've, I've been a Christian for 30 years. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's, let's try this one. Um, I need you to go to journey and let's see what the look on your face is. And then we'll figure out if you know authority. (laughs) See, the TCA is the, is the person that will say, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Well, okay, I'm glad, and God used it, and you and you were matured, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at anybody else. But this is about catching a DNA. And I told people, I've told people from the very beginning, when we started our whole process here, Tracy and I went somewhere, and we went through an encounter process. We sat down, we went through the encounter process, and folks, I've been to inner healing seminars for a good many years. I knew most of the things. They were teaching in those seminars. You say, well, why did you go then? It's because if you can't get under someone's authority, you can't exercise authority. It works for the pastor too. You catch the DNA. You begin to understand because you can look, because when the next person comes in and they said, why should I have to go through? You can look at them and say, we've all gone through. Yes, Google leaders. Amen. Oh, if you weren't at the first school of leaders, do I have any first school of leader people here? Oh, yeah, see, they'll show you the scars. See, this is easy. You don't realize how easy this is. All right. So to be a leader, one must also be willing to lead. There's a a better model, I believe, to do church than the model most of us have seen and experienced. We welcome everyone to the family. Remember, we're going to honor everyone and we're going to love them as they journey and as they check us out and as they want to know more about us. If you're here tonight and and you're in the beginning parts of your journey, don't let what I've said scare you away. This is because this is school of maturity. I mean, I'm just trying to help people mature and understand us. We love everybody. We'll walk with you. We'll journey with you. But we can only build with sons and daughters. 
In fact, a son or a daughter may actually be older in biological age than the spiritual dad or mom. Because this isn't about... See, I've met people, and, and praise God, I do not have them here, all right? So I just, I'll just qualify this. But I have seen people through the years that were aged biologically, and, and I know they've been going to church for years and years and years and years and years, but, but they were functioning about like a two-year-old. They're just easily offended, easily disjointed, couldn't be flexible. And I, maybe they got 30 years of church attendance. So that's wonderful. But the key, isn't, the key isn't how many years you sat in church. The key is how many of those years in Revelation has been worked into your system to where it's not that you just know it, but now you are it. There are a lot of people that know about authority. <laughs> I, I Praise God. The question is the first time I have to look at you and say no, we'll figure out if it's in your spirit or not. And, and I won't say it mean. It's not like I'm going to say it mean. And most of the time I'm going, trying to find a nice way to, let me see if I can massage it in this way. And I'm always amazed at how even when you massage it in, they'll go, oh, come on. Come on, God's doing something at that moment. A son and a daughter knows that. And hopefully that would be in your heart to want to become that. So ask yourself the following as you begin to consider being a part of leadership. It, it, it may be open to you, but ask these questions. Am I willing to come under the direction and authority of my pastors as ministry begins to unfold for me? Do I trust God enough to believe that he can use my spiritual authority to give me needful direction in my life? And receive it like it came from the Lord. See, that's really the hard part. The hard part is really believing that somehow or another that God, God could use pastor to speak into your life. Could you, could you receive it that way? Am I willing to shake off offenses and speculations and other attitudes that keep me immature and unusable in leadership? And number four, will I be daring enough to begin to do church differently? And when I say differently, I mean scripturally. Then perhaps I've done it in the past, realizing that great things usually come by a way that you've never walked before. See, America as a nation wouldn't be in the state it's in if we were doing church like it was supposed to be done. I mean, we have 380,000 Christian churches in America. 380,000 Christian churches in America. You do the math. That, how many, what's that, 50,000 a state or something like that? I don't even know if I'm adding or doing my, somebody got a calculator. 380,000 divided by 50. 70,000 per state. And we're dealing with abortion? And, 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 and we've got pornography being pumped through televisions and internets and are you listening to me? If, if, if we're doing church like we're supposed to be doing it, ain't something connecting. Now, I understand that there's not thousands here yet. But Gideon whittled his bunch down from 30K to 300. And he drove the enemy out. See, this is Gideon's band. Legacy's Gideon's band for a while, for a while. God will give us, God will give us influence. And he is. But that's the part you got to ask yourself. Can I, can, I, can I be Gideon's band? I believe you're here because God believes you could be. I don't believe you're here by accident. I don't believe, I don't believe it's, just, 
it's just coincidence that you tripped in through our doors. I don't believe that. I believe that the steps of the righteous are ordered. I believe God brought you from wherever you were, and he brought you through those doors into this mall, and you're here tonight to hear these words. God wants to use you to influence people, family, friends in incredible ways. But the question is, are you ready to to try it different, try it scripturally? in order that God's pattern can be implemented. And when you do it God's way and God's pattern, how many of you know that's when the glory falls? Amen. Amen.